Welcome. Who is here for the first time? Oh, you poor people. <laughs> we'll go from zero to 60 in about one nanosecond. Um, we are going to... Yes, sir. Before you get started, I'm, I was going to have you all pray just this week. Uh, Catherine's in, coming back from Abilene. Her brother got out of prison Wednesday. Oh, that's right. And uh, he's been in for a few years. And why, why don't you... He just... He's already off to. Yeah, wow. <clears throat> good stuff, good stuff, good stuff. Um, so with my friend, I'm name dropping for a second. I was with my friend Billy this week, and um, <laughs> just um, how, how he walked out the criticism. Um, we, we, many years ago, uh, taught some Proverbs together and talked about Proverbs and, and how, it, how a proverb is a little pithy statement. So there's a proverb about fool and money, then there's a proverb about money and the rich. And, and, and each one of them is chunked so you can memorize it instantly. And they connect together and weave a mesh around your mind. And they seem simplistic when you first read them because it's not understanding it as it's written, but it's recognizing it in life that matters. And so the Holy Spirit, one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is to bring to our remembrance the things in the Word of God, the things that He's spoken to us, or to speak them to Him. And this is exactly what happened. That started, and any one of us would have said, okay, we need to fire some shots back. But Proverbs says, do not answer a fool according to what they've said lest you be seen like him. Answer a fool with wisdom. And then it says, anyone who is wise in their own eyes, there's more hope for a fool than for him. Now, I'm not saying the other candidates were fools, but they had foolish counsel. And Bill, these verses were just, bam, right there. He literally instructed his staff after he won, not one of us is going to gloat about this victory. Not one of us. I thought... Bam. Uh, so we're not supposed to be political. I'm not, but I'm a brother. <laughs> so anyway, um, but but it's just it's great to see how the Holy Spirit works in in ways that that emerge and impact whole states, emerge and impact whole things. But it's a hidden. In this case, it's a hidden way. But in Him, that's like the Holy Spirit is saying. The Holy Spirit is saying. Holy Spirit is saying. This is what's true. This is how we're going to walk this out. And so I like how Josh is talking about Book of Acts. And the Book of Acts is like Holy Spirit Part 1, Part 2, where under the scene in the whole book of Acts, you see the Spirit working behind. So someone is, is doing something, they're going somewhere, something happens, they're working hard, and you know there's a day-to-day, minute-by-minute dependence. If you haven't been already, he's going to talk about Acts 1. And Jesus says, look, it is better, and John, he says, it's better that I go. Because if I didn't go, then I'd be here, but you'd still be relying on me. But if I go, you'll have God inside of you. You'll have the Holy Spirit inside of you. And so the last thing he says is, okay, don't go anywhere. Don't do anything. Don't talk to anybody until you receive the gift of the Father, power from on high, Acts 1.8, until you receive power from on high. And so... Um, that hasn't changed. We're, we're still in that New Testament world, and God still says to us, 
just like Billy, don't go into a political uh, situation unless you know you're clothed with power from on high, unless you know that I'll lead you, I'll guide you, I'll live inside of you in large ways. And so um, that's what this class is about, is how to on purpose engage that Holy Spirit, how to on purpose connect with God, on purpose to go Wednesday afternoon at 2 o'clock, I have a decision to make. How do I engage this God who lives inside of me to help with that decision? If you ask God a direct question, he will give you an answer. We have this sort of religious idea, I use religion in the worst possible way, we have this idea that God is mysterious and, and we have to wait on God. And, and yet I know God is a way better father than I am. And if any one of my kids, and they almost rarely do anymore because they're all too smart and too old, ask me a direct question, you don't think I'll like give them a direct answer, jump in the car, Dad, I'm not sure how to, how to mix the paint for the room. I'll be right there. You know, that, that's, that's, a dad, that's what dads do. And God is a better dad than us. And that's what he does in us. And that's what he does with us. And so I just want to encourage us He's not human in his first language is in English. But if we're okay with that, if we're okay that he communicates in ways far superior to English, far superior, and when we begin to attune our spirits, and we've talked about all of this, attune our spirits to God and, and let our spirit rule our soul, which rules our body, we start to come into a line and we go, oh, I have God inside of me. Hmm. Maybe he's not as silent as I might think he is. Maybe I just miss his voice. Okay, so um, we're going to try to finish up the, the gifts. We've been talking about the, the 12 gifts. I wanted to um, um, show you this. Somebody sent it to me and said, isn't this cool this week? And I went, no, <laughs> this is diabolical. Um, what is your solar eclipse identity? And you just go, now this one is so crazy, we would just go, right? But I had a 30-year-old friend of mine who's a brilliant guy, he's in California, he's a mover shaker, he's, he's a son of a mover shaker, and he, he wrote a, a, a post in Facebook, 30 things I've learned this last year, and one of those is horoscopes work every time. And I'm just like, I, I, he's got to be kidding. I mean, you may as well just say this works every time. And so, one thing about spirit is that um, the most important thing for us is that our heart be right before God. Because if we go after God with arrogance, with, with demands, with lack of humility, or with presuppositions on what he'll probably say, we can be deceived. And so we always hold what we think God said with an open hand. And we check it with friends and we check it with scripture. And we just never say, God told me to tell you. I mean, that's like, you know, that's, that's like territory where you just crossed the line. Okay, so we've been talking about these gifts, that the um, uh, seven gifts in, and these are the who you are gifts. And so we're going to talk about the last two today. And then if we have time, we're going to move on to an introduction to the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Now you remember our rule, so um, 
we, I have pictures of you gathered around your posters from some weeks ago. And you mercies, uh, this is your day, okay? So don't, don't you chicken out now. Uh, so I have pictures of, of who you felt like you were. And I'm going to ask you to do these things as we talk about them, okay? These things up here. So I'll just say, okay, who, who would like to share about something that was said? So, so here are the mercies. Okay, that's you. So, so if you think I missed it, then just be something else. Be a prophet. No, don't. Too late for that. You're a nonprofit. Um, okay, so let's talk about mercies for a little bit. So, um, mercies are, and this is the who you are. This is God has put some of Himself in you, and and you're just kind of motivated this way. You just, you know, we talked about a, a woman at a party falling with a tray of drinks. And, and the server goes right to the mess, but the mercy goes right to the woman, and the giver goes right to the store. You know, because everybody sees something happen through their own lens, okay? And so a mercy is very, very sensitive to the needs of people. Um, they've been called almost, in a sense, the most prophetic, uh, but they don't, they feel things. They, they, they're almost like these sensates where they, they, they just kind of can sense where they're going. They feel things intensely about people, about their needs. My wife can spot, you know, one part per billion of phoniness. It's just scary. It just <laughs> makes me walk such a straight line. I mean, some big international property guy met her and blah, blah, blah. And he said to me, he said, I'm sorry. I said, what do you mean? He goes, she's the most prophetic person I've met in all of Nashville. And I've met all the big movers and shakers here. And I'm like, yeah, tell me another story. She's a little scary. Um, I walk in and I go, I, let me confess every sin I've had today before you get, you know. But she's a mercy. She's motivated not to accuse, but to help, but to lift up, but to be kind. Um, they forgive easily, but boy, they're stubborn going after helping someone. They, they don't give up on people. They love uh, that. They're, they're, they don't like change. They're slow. This is generally now, like if there's a bell curve, we're talking about the middle of the bell curve. Um, and they love excellence, and they're really good with relational skills. So if we talk about a mature mercy, that is one. So, so we can talk about immature. It's kind of like the Enneagram where it's you at your worst, you normal, and you at your best. This is you at, you at your best, okay? Um, and so a really mature person who is motivated by mercy and all that they do, they make decisions based on values even though they feel really strong mercy. Sometimes a mercy can just get used, go overboard, do things that are sort of inappropriate. It's like it's like I'm setting boundaries for this person, but then I cross the boundaries all the time and, and, and keep bailing them out. And at some point you go, you know what, I can't bail you out this time. And so mercy makes decisions based on values. Um, they have true empathy. That is, they don't just kind of know what somebody is feeling. Um, that's sympathy. But they feel, they literally feel feel what someone's feeling. They ache for someone. When someone dies, they, they just, they feel it with them. And so when they're with that person, the person knows they feel it. And so they have a way of lifting someone out of pain, out of turmoil, because they go down, they, they jump in the hole with them. And they, they just really have that ability to do that. Um, a mature mercy is emotionally vulnerable, but secure. 
And immature mercy is emotionally vulnerable and gets jerked around by, by every sort of issue that pops up. You know, they almost can't watch the appeals on TV because it's like, oh, we got to, you know. And so there's a lot of guilt. But a mature mercy has really good boundaries. And they know, they say, God, this is, this is what you've called me to do, not this. Just like Jesus, when they said the Greeks want to talk to you, and Jesus goes, I'm not called to the Greeks. Somebody else's table, not my table. You know, I'll call the waiter who's, you know, for, for the Greeks. Um, and they can really communicate God's intimacy with other other people because they not only can sense people, but they sense God. They have this amazing ability to kind of sense what God feels about, thinks about, wants to do about somebody else. Okay, those of you who are in that picture, what about this resonates with you and you have a story about yourself or something? And uh, let's start over on this side of the room and then we'll work over here. Anybody over here? Now, mercies tend to not want to talk in a crowd. Yeah, I see you're all, yeah, yeah, every one of you is nodding and smiling. You might recall when we all got together and it was time to leave, I should have taken a picture of that. Everybody left and not one mercy stood up. They were still, oh, what's, oh. You know, and, and we let, there are three people left in the room and every mercy was in their seat. Okay, that was classical. I mean, perfect. Okay, yeah, you were about to say something. Oh, I wasn't, but I will. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of had a tie score between mercy and teaching, so I'm, I'm not, I'm still not. Uh-huh. But the thing that makes me think maybe more mercy is that before this class, I would just joke that my spiritual gift was crying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anybody else kind of in this piece? Go ahead, just, just jump in if you want to say something. If that's, and you can not be a mercy but no mercy and still say something. Okay. Yeah, anybody here? I just like, I feel everything. Yeah. 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 See, I'm an exhorter, but but I go this way. In Peace Dragon, when the dragon left, I cried. Okay. I mean, you know, come on. It's a kids' cartoon, but yeah, yeah, because you feel it. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. Anybody else? Yeah, Jean. So I felt like exhortation was mine, but I have that mercy wedge, I guess. And I think the greatest challenge for me, I've always felt my whole life, is to not become <coughs> weary and well-doing. Yeah. Because your your constant sense of compassion and feelings toward other, there there can come a place of weariness without those boundaries that you talked about. Yeah. I think that's probably, that's, that's my biggest struggle. Mm -hmm. Boundaries for mercy and for service are really important. Otherwise, they get burned out. This one gets burned out emotionally, and that one just gets burned out. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody else? Want to say anything? I'm, I'm married to a mercy. Um, her spiritual gift is crying too. Um, <laughs> I know that one. Yeah, that's what y'all know. Um, but I'm a crier too. So, but sometimes, like, I don't want to cry. And but she, I think sometimes she wants to cry. Sometimes she'll be telling me a story. And I'm like, wait, is this a crying story? Because <laughs> <laughs> I'll cry too. I just like maybe I want to do it later. 
You know, why is laughing okay and crying not? That's what I want to know. I mean, they're both emotional. They're just emotions. Well, I, we all would, but, well, maybe not. A mercy might not, I don't know. Uh, anybody else want to share anything about this? Yeah, Mike? Jenny has shown to me strong mercies over the years, even though I think the reputation is really strong too, but I'm always amazed with someone with the gift of mercy, how they're willing to hang in there with someone when I was willing to give up a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, and Jeannie's really taught me over the years how to be merciful to people uh, because if they don't kind of ship up, then yeah. I'm ready to go. Okay, snap the blues, let's go on somewhere else. Uh, but Jeannie has been, I've watched her be patient with people, not just over a period of months, but over a year. Yeah. And, and it's just, I'm, and I'm always wondering why. But that's just the heart. That's right. It, Remember, each of these is part of the heart of God. It's a slice. That's why we did that pie. And if God didn't have that, we would all be in deep trouble. Because a mercy isn't moved by circumstances. Their mercy doesn't change because the person misbehaves or acts out again. It, it, in fact, it gets stoked even more. And that's a picture of God. When, when we fail, God does go... Ugh. It's like... Okay, it's like the prod this father of the prodigal son was like, forget the land, forget the sheep. I think that's him, right? Okay, that, that's mercy. That's that. I'm not giving up on you ever because a mercy in some sense, because of this prophetic thing, they knew who they really are. They know who the person really is and that's what they see. Right? See, if we know... If we know what an opioid addict is really called to be and to do, who they really are, oh, there's that cry thing, who they really are, we never give up because we come at people from their destiny, not their history. And that's what a mercy does. They can come from the destiny call on someone to the person, and it's very encouraging to the person. Very encouraging. Uh, you know, this mercy... Thinking that from the mercy standpoint brings death to when it says the faithfulness of God. Yeah. Because you know you, you believe He's faithful, but mercy tells you why He's faithful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, from everlasting to everlasting, your mercies. Right. Yeah, it's such a to know to be married to someone like that is is really a good thing in a lot of ways. <laughs> then in other ways, you go, honey. Right. Okay. By the way, though, I thought about that. And no intention to, uh, to shame the, the crier that the contract wife Yeah. <laughs> that was not my point. I, I, uh, I get that. Yeah. And as a leader. <laughs> um, okay, these are the servers. Okay. Look around the room. Are any of you here today? Yeah. Oh, there she is. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, 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 okay. I saw the other one walk in. Okay, oh, there you are. Yeah, okay. Not me, not me. Um, so they see a need, and a need is like an itch that just has to get scratched. They, they just, it's like, why aren't we all just jumping on this? I mean, are you all crazy? 
we need to fix it, you know, sort, sort of like that. Uh, hard to say no. Um, they can they can be very, very loyal, but interestingly enough with servers is that they can start um, in a physical way, but connect in a way that goes way, way deeper. And so their service is often a doorway into a deep relationship. Okay? It's kind of a tricky backdoor way that God uses, where he uses practical service. Then you're sitting having coffee after you've cleaned up their whole kitchen, and then you talk. And it's like, oh, okay, so, so that's, a, that's a wonderful thing. Um, so servers also um, have this thing where, where they can be sentimental and kind of overly sorry for not doing a good enough job. Or I'm sorry, I, I meant to bring a bigger truck. You know, it's just like, no, it's, you brought a truck. Yeah, but I, I, I was going to rent this truck. You know, it's kind of like, stop. You know, and so there's this, there's this great thing uh, about servers. Um, they, they really don't like attention. And it's probably God's protection because if everybody knew how good they were serving, everyone would call them, right? And so, but but they don't like to. It's a kind of a conundrum because in in Romans or in Corinthians it says, "On the ones who lack honor, we give more abundant honor." A server tends to attract disdain, or they're not very spiritual, so they just not in this church, but in in some place. This church is wonderful with with honoring people who serve and serving. Um, but they, they can tend to, to um, well, I probably didn't put that, in. oh, they can be dishonored. They, so so it's, an, it's an amazing church that can find a way to honor people who serve without embarrassing people who serve. It's a hard thing to do. Um, let's talk about... Um, <coughs> They, they represent the humility of God, the foot-washing nature of God better than anybody. So if you want to see a sense of a God who is, uh, is willing to wash feet, Jesus said, the greatest one among you will be this, will have that gifting, will be a servant. Um, <clears throat> they, um, when they're mature, they serve, but they, they also want to serve in ways that are efficient, and orderly and get things done. As they mature, they tend to head organizations or service things. They tend to, to really want, want it to um, be effective. Um, they, um, because in a mature server, you know their motivation is pleasing God. It, it just, it just uh, reeks is the wrong word, but whatever perfume is that doesn't reek but smells really good, it, it's, it's that, it's that, it's a good, it's that good word. That's what they exude, just this essence of, of humility and, and the service, that sort of a thing. You know I'm talking about you. And, uh, and so um, it, it causes people to want to be that way too. It causes people to want to serve. Um, they, they want the best in everything. But, they're, but a mature server is okay with mo getting most of the way there, getting most of the way done. Um, they're okay with it not being perfect. An immature server wants everything to be, wait, wait, the, the glasses aren't lined up. You know, I go, oh, it doesn't matter. Okay, so a mature one is good with that. Um, so God really trusts mature servants and gives them sneaky backdoor authority into people's lives, into organizations, um, and in running organizations sometimes. Um, and a, a mature server creates space for others to serve. Sometimes people are in a church and they go, I don't know 
I don't know where to serve. A mature server will say, we're doing this today, would you like to help? So they're, they're really good at discipling others in service as well and creating space for others. Yeah, yeah, everybody's pointing to each other. Okay, everybody, who wants to just share about this, about your friend who's a server, what hit you? Yeah, you pointed, go ahead. This is my mom, she's a server, <clears throat> and she's really great at um, seeing needs and then uh, kind of like gathering a small group of people to help meet that needs. Often people who are younger than her or that... Um, Most people <laughs> or, like, I'm right there with you, sister. Yeah. Mature than you are and have less experience and might be looking for a way to get plugged in. Yeah, and it becomes an event. Yeah. Like my wife, the Mercy, creates events to bless people, and so many people join in, it becomes this really fun time, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. When you said that, I was getting up to come say the same thing about <laughs> <laughs> I know for a fact that throughout my uh, time that I've known T and she's known that I've been fighting uh, prostate cancer, she has prayed for me more than anybody else. And I didn't doubt that you were in service again. <laughs> I love you. There you go. Mature servant and elder. I love it. Right here. On stage. Right here. Thanks. I appreciate you saying that. He served me first. Which is a, is a server, right? Yeah. That's good. That's good. Anybody else want to share? Something that hit them out of this or challenged them? Well, enough about me, but... Yeah. Um, it's, it has always brought me so much joy to see a need. And, and at first I was doing a lot all by myself. But I saw a lot of um, mainly sisters... Um, I come from a congregation where most of the people haven't known God more than 10 years. Mm -hmm. A lot, a whole lot less. So it was an evangelistic spot. We're all really bumpy and cracky and um, <coughs> but excited about God. So it was really easy to see people who hadn't been serving, but I could tell when I talked to them that they could love it too. Yeah. So I'm more like a one at a time, find a friend, make a friend, hey, let's do this and that. And then I just now see like all, most of them doing that yeah. and then finding others. So <clears throat> just building friendships through service has been great. Yeah. Service is a great um, bodybuilding tool because you're, especially for guys, because guys don't like to like just get together and then share their deepest. But if you're hitting a golf ball and then why you get in the golf cart you can share, then guys are good with that. And service is, service is great for that. It's like, let's go to Mexico and build houses and you come back and you go, man, that was the best fellowship I've ever had, right? Because we're pounding nails and we're sharing our hearts. And so, so it's just, again, it's just part of God. Yeah, anybody else want to Yeah. And, and it's so such a humble service that she does, but she's reaching them on their own. Yeah. And she's doing that consistently. So I just yeah. She touches me so much. Like I don't even know how to tell her thing what she does. <coughs> 
Yeah, really, really good service stirs everybody in the body to serve. When Jesus washed feet, every apostle went, I can do that. And they did. Right? It's, you know, that, that is, these, God has so composed the body that these that don't speak probably have a, as big or bigger actual impact on the body than the ones who do speak. The ones who speak spread it thin and wide over large groups of people, but the ones who serve spread it narrow and deep over individuals, but it sticks, it changes lives in a way that a sermon may not, may never change. And, and um, Ephesians 4 says, the thing that causes the growth of the body isn't preaching, blah, blah. it says it's the ligament relationships and the proper working within your measure of gifting within that ligament relationship causes the growth of the body. You can grow a church big. You can have 10,000 people. But how many are in the body? How many are ligamented together in a body of relationships? And the servers and the mercies and the givers tend to create those ligaments way better than anybody else. They're like the, and that's why you, you had 17 mercies here, but you had like two leaders, because God's like, ah, we don't need that many of them. We need a whole bunch of these, because these are the glue in the body, the, the this mercy givers and servers. They're the glue in the body. Yeah, Matt? So uh, serving is not something I do naturally by, I, I love to serve. I don't think of ways to serve. And so right. I need someone who has a different gift like me. I need someone to say, hey, here's an opportunity. Would you like to join me? And I'm, you know, Rusty Bragg texted a bunch of guys a couple weeks ago and said, hey, I want to set up a breakfast for downtown. I wouldn't think to do so. But him asking, I'm like, yeah, I'll take my son. And so we went yesterday morning. But I need someone who thinks that way to bring it up for me. Yeah. And so if that's your gift, I don't think people mind you asking. Think sometimes we need you to have. Yeah, or offering. Yeah. yeah, I know when Susan's father passed away and he was a collector of things, <laughs> sheds full of things, <clears throat> and two servers showed up from this church with big trucks and big wagons and they said, Marge, just sit right here and you just tell us junk, goodwill, and we'll put junk in this one and goodwill in this one. And they cleaned everything in one day. I was just like, man, I'm going to join this church. At least when I get old. <laughs> um, yep. Anything else about uh, serving? Yeah. This isn't really about, it's not necessarily about serving, but I, it's been interesting to hear everyone talking and then to hear how you maybe and maybe you've heard this too, but you have like the one gift that you identify, but then how the Holy Spirit gives you other gifts in the moments you need. Like you heard her talk about, yeah. like well, I reached out to people, and all of a sudden she's a leader. She's organizing these people in the service or putting mm -hmm. together, or um, you know, the mercy developing relationships and and maybe connecting in a way that might be more of a servant to those people that they're having mercy on. And so yeah. it's interesting to see the manifestation of you know you may identify as one. Um, but that you are given in the opportunity when you need it, the gifts of others to yeah. reach others. Yeah, you can. It's kind of like when you go on cruise control, you're this. Mm -hmm. But in, in an opportunity, you, you kind of can become anything Holy Spirit yeah. is in that opportunity. Yeah, 
that's a good that's a great great observation anybody else last chance to talk about the charismata the who you are gifts we have two more weeks after this week <coughs> then we got to decide yeah uh, so I've been thinking quite a bit this week um, about this <coughs> shape approach and these giftednesses. Obviously, there's variations of this in corporate America, whether it's disc profile, the variations of it in love languages. Yeah. So I love it, and I love you have primaries and secondaries. That's all good. But what I've really been thinking about the last week or so, and thank you, and I wasn't sure if at first it was intentional or unintentional, but was your comments about the mature aspect of that gift but then also the immature aspects of that gift. Yeah. Um, because if it's a primary, make, there's a chance you might be more so mature in that giftedness. Gifted, giftedness gift, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, but, that but, word. But if it's only one that it's got a hint or a, a tone, it may be one where you're immature, but you have a desire to see it. Yeah. And so <clears throat> the right-handed column on all of these slides you have shown in areas where I feel that I'm an immature you've given you've given life to it because I now know what that looks like in a mature yeah Does that make oh it's been really it's always helpful for me to see a point on the horizon a north arrow that I go yeah okay that that is me at my best I'm gonna kind of gravitate that way we have it on the inside if we if we ask the Lord say Lord help me to grow with respect to grace with my giftedness and God's like, yeah, come on. Absolutely, absolutely. And so my character grows and my giftedness grows together. Yeah. Thank you for pointing out. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for saying that. And again, um, we, have, we have talents within our soul and we have the giftedness within our spirit that flows out through our soul. And so it, it can get a little, not confusing, well, it can get confusing. Um, <clears throat> but we can tell when we're working on a soul talent versus working in our gifting. This is passionate. It seems, we talked about walking down the, the airport, that, that people mover in the airport, where you're walking the same speed, but you're just moving faster. And, and that's that sense of when I'm working within the spiritual side of my gifting, my motivation, because God is, God is behind everything that you do, but God is mostly saying, this is what is gonna grow you into your destiny, into your purpose. Your purpose, uh, the passion, the things that, that you will at the end of your days go, that was a really good life, lie in this area. The other things can serve this, but they lie in this area. Um, I'm reading a wonderful book now called How Will You Measure Your Life? It's by the guy who wrote the book, The Innovator's Dilemma, Harvard professor. And it gives um, wonderful ways of how you can measure your passion. It's a really, it's a great book, um, by the way. It didn't, okay. Um, all right, we're gonna move on in five minutes. I'll give you a very quick intro and we'll come back. Okay, so, <clears throat> so now we're gonna shift gears to the power tools that help you do what you do with your charisma. Okay, so these are like, you know, <clears throat> I was, uh, fixing something up on a ladder, drop my screwdriver, drop my hammer, I was not putting things back in my belt, and I, so I pounded in a nail with the, with the, the back of a, my level. 
Uh, I need a new level now, but uh, and it, <laughs> I just climbed down. So power tools are the things that, that you can screw something in like this, so you can go, and whoa, I'm going to do that from now on, okay? And that's what those things are. So remember we talked about there's gifts, there's manifestations, it says there are varieties of gifts, but one spirit. There are varieties of um, uh, services, ministries, but one Lord. There are varieties of outcomes, but one Father. And then he says, but, but the manifestations of the Spirit are given with all or for everyone. In other words, there is a set of power tools, and if your gifting and, and what you're called to do takes you into an area where a couple of these things would be really helpful, they are yours to use. Okay? Any one of those are yours to use. Okay? Any one of that list is yours to use. There is a misconception. Now, I'm telling Andy's story, but I'm right. Um, there's a misconception. I don't know. There's a misconception in the body of Christ that I either have tongues or I don't. It's a gift of tongues. Or I either have healing. Oh, he's got a gift of healing. Nobody has a gift of healing. The healing is the gift. See, and so these things are power tools that come to us at a point of need meeting faith. Okay? That's what these things are. They come to us at a point of need needing faith. And maybe a little instruction is helpful as well. So we're going to talk about how these things work um, because they will literally transform how you do things. They will transform how you worship. They'll transform how you study the Word. They will also cause problems. Here's Paul thinking about the Corinthians. This is Rembrandt's version of Paul. And he's going, oh, the Corinthians. Right? Because he's going, oh, I'm going to have to spell it out so clearly. I'm going to take three chapters and talk about these things because you can get it wrong so easily. This, you can hurt yourself with power tools, okay? I mean, it's like, don't, you know, don't do the table saw unless you've had some training, okay? Don't, you're going to cut off a finger. You're going to cut off somebody else's finger, okay? And so that's sort of what these power tools are. They can be like that, but when used with maturity, they will radically change your life. The, the one problem is, is that they've largely disappeared from much of the church, and in much of the church, we'll call that Pentecostal, they're used in a way that Paul would have written probably some corrections in Corinthians. Okay, So what we want to do and be is responsible charismatics, responsible with the power tools. All power tools are used to build the body, not the person's ego. And so when we take those power tools and learn how to use them, things begin to change pretty fast in our lives. So Paul uh, did a really wise thing. Remember this uh, where I talked about the, the, the tripod? And I said that the character of the Holy Spirit is three-part power, love, and a sound mind. And we all look at the world through a camera on our tripod, and if our sound mind leg is really long and our power leg is short, we look at everything in the church like this. And if I run up against, we'll call him a Pentecostal, who has a really long power leg and maybe not a great exegetical leg, they're like this, and I'm like this, and they're like this, and we are at 90 degree cross purposes on how we see God and how we see the world. And the problem isn't one or the other. The problem is our pyramid, our pyramid, our pyramid scheme, our, our uh, tripod is messed up. 
our tripod, we have, we have exalted one, one sense of the Holy Spirit in opposition to the others. And God says, look, I want your power. Remember, power was first. Power, love, and a sound mind to be equal. So when Paul talks about these manifestations of the Spirit, interestingly enough, chapter 12 is about the power. Chapter 1 Corinthians 13 is the love chat. It's about love, and the context is the use of the manifestations. Chapter 14 is all about the administration of the manifestations within a church. Power, love, and a sound mind. Right? So Paul is letting, we luckily got the chapters right, so, so Paul, is, Paul is saying, here is how they're laid out, here is the structure, now look, if you don't do any of the, if you prophesy and have not love, it's worthless. You can speak in tongues if you don't. It's worthless. It's worthless. Get it. And if you don't operate within an administration of a sound mind with boundaries, the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. God doesn't make you say anything. Okay. And so. Paul then lays these things out in these chapters. And so chapter 12 is a description of the power of the ministry. Chapter 13 is a love chapter. Chapter 14 is how the administration of these things work. And so we're not going to have time in two weeks to go through the pieces of these things in, in as much detail as I'd like to. Um, and in fact, I'm just going to um, lay it out like this. And so here they are. Remember, we did this in a circle. Okay, if you lay out these nine things, you'll see that there are speaking manifestations, tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. It's primarily about speaking. There are knowing manifestations. You know something not by natural means. not by You just know something. You know it, and because you know it, you can obey God in a way that is far superior than if you didn't know it. Okay? And then there's doing. You are, you are literally going to change the laws of nature. Yeah, well, right? Pray and someone is healed. Not because of penicillin, not, but because of the power of God. And he decided to use you and you're the most shocked. Um, and so when we think about these, <clears throat> the speaking ones tend to be the easiest for us to grasp first because they don't require, they, they just require, say I speak in tongues, you don't know, I, 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 I'm willing to be foolish, but, but I don't have to take very much blame or credit for it. Interpretation, I can count on the interpreter. Well. And he can go, well, that's what he said. Yeah, well, that's what you said. Well, okay. And then, fight, and then God says, okay, let's get rid of both those and let's just prophesy. Prophesy is just tongues without tongues. Okay? Just tongues in English, in a way. Can be. But those are fairly easy. But, and, and you can't really ind independently verify what's going on in those. You just do it, right? I know, fairly easy. Um, but the next three you can independently verify whether those things are true or not. I remember saying to a woman I was praying with, or to a man, I said, your gym teacher abused you. 
and he collapsed in tears. How did you know that? And I said, I didn't know it, but God knows it, and he wants you to be healed. And he's just like, yes, and radically altered, radically altered, because of one little thing. And I didn't say it like that. I said, let me ask you a question. Is this true? I feel like your gym teacher or somebody like that, you were abused like in junior high and eyes as big as saucers. I was the most shocked. <laughs> it's not like thus saith the Lord. It's like, is this, is this yours? You know, it, it's more like that. We, we offer things, okay? And I wanted to give that example right at the beginning because we offer things in the Spirit. Okay? I, anybody says, thus saith the Lord, it better be Scripture coming out of their mouth right after that, okay? Otherwise, I don't know. Okay, and so we're going to next week... We're going to um, all speak in tongues. Um, no, I don't. Yeah, I don't have time to go on to the next thing. Next week we're going to start with. Yes, yes. I rebuke you. Oh, sorry, Lord. Um, no, I was going to pop up the one-liners. Remember, in these gifts, I did one-liners. What it was. We'll start with that next week. We'll start with one-liners. What they are. We'll come back to this and revisit it again, and then. Um, So next week, we're going to talk about this. <coughs> Ooh, bring all your friends. <coughs> um, yeah, we'll talk about it. I, I just want to demystify it, debunk it. It's not natural. It's supernatural. But supernatural is not a synonym for spectacular or unnatural. Supernatural is just natural with a little taco sauce on it. Okay, it's just, has everybody got it? Okay, so we're going to come back and just start there uh, next time where we left off. Everybody okay? Lord, don't cause anybody to be scared. Lord, protect them this, this next week. Father, I ask you that, that this would just be relaxing, wonderful, easy, enlightening, and drawing, Lord, this whole subject. Thank you, Lord. Amen.